Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome on into the fifth episode of the Batter Up Podcast from Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and Radio.com. My name is Will Pelagic, joined by Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick, our Braves insiders, as we continue to work our way through the coronavirus pandemic without baseball, although we will at least get some form of baseball beginning this week, which we'll talk about in great detail this week. But first, I want to say hello to my pair of colleagues first hello caleb johnson may the fourth be with you i'm gonna ignore that just roll <laughs> right past it uh hello joe patrick hello will that's my that's my best will guerra um no will guerra calls me other will hello that's other right. will <laughs> You buried Perfect. the lead, by the way, when talking about that ramen stuff last week because you were doing uh, cooking. You were doing cheap cooking lessons with Joe Patrick. You mm-hmm. didn't tell me that that ramen that you like is a circular ramen. Oh yeah, I know. It's very functional. It's fantastic. It's perfect. Uh, also, like the size of the little thing I put it in, it's just the absolute perfect size. It's glorious. Anybody ever do the with the square ramen? You break it in half. You mm-hmm. throw it in the microwave for three minutes. That's what I'm always used to doing. Yeah. And that's the worst way. I've no, what, no, what no. no. Oh, oh. I think the worst way may be treating it as a cracker. That is messed I up. Don't know. I, ha- I have seen. I I think it was. Um, who's the uh, Who's the guy? David Ching is he the guy who does like the ugly delicious? Um, anyway, he's like a, he's a cook, and he said that his he's Asian, obviously. And when he was uh, a youngster, he said he would his snack his after school snack was. A dry ramen, an uncooked ramen thing with the MSG packet just sprinkled on top. Ugh. Yeah, I've, <laughs> no. yeah I've, I I knew people who did that. I've they never crush, put that's hardcore. They I've, would crush the uh, the ramen though. They would like crush it to like mm. be like little little chips and just eat it like dry cereal or something. I've yeah, never with, with the packets. I've never put the packet on it, but I have eaten it dry and just like put it like uh, treated sriracha like icing. Just just put it over the top. And then eating it like that, and uh, it was it got me through because I I had it in my car and I was hungry and couldn't just go boil it at the time. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally hate on it. Like it will suffice if if you really need it. But it's pretty gross. I prefer cooking. Obviously. And again, we we remind you for those who didn't listen to the earlier podcast with Joe, uh, if you are buying ramen, you need to buy the kind of ramen that has the least amount of English language on it. That's right. That's right. That's how you know you're getting the good stuff. Caleb, how have the uh, the air apartment food stylings been this week with you? Uh, you know, to be completely honest, this has been kind of a rough week where I didn't do enough shopping and tried to go out uh, a couple of times this week. And I guess people have been more comfortable about getting out 
And so, oh, yeah. And so the traffic's yeah, been sure. really bad. Uh, and especially I live near... Uh, I live near the Dobbins Air Force Base, where everyone mm-hmm. decided to camp out and watch the Blue Angels fly over. So things were really busy around me. It's been a lot of eating out until yesterday. I finally went and did a bunch of grocery shopping. So not not a whole lot of filling my apartment with smoke. A lot more of uh, f- finding places that do takeout that shouldn't do takeout. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, oh, no. I I will not name names. To, to oh come on, that's well, not fun. I'll throw one out there that I was honestly surprised was so subpar doing takeout versus actually being there, and that was Cracker Barrel. Ooh, <laughs> I can yeah. see that. The it it was just subpar from the perspective of, uh, you know, not really warm. Food was just uh, I don't know, lacking. T- I don't know. It was just lacking taste. Like just lacking that same. It was not made with love. Yeah, it didn't, I, it didn't have the special the special ingredient. No. When I went uh, one of one of my first uh, minor league broadcasting jobs in Eastern North Carolina, uh, we had this bus driver that we used only for the short trips. We had a different bus that we used for the long trips. So like whenever we would go and take uh, a lot of those trips in like Southern Virginia. The bus driver, apparently, he always used to brag about the fact that he got way more per diem than uh, he really needed in a given weekend. And so he would use some of that to take me and my other broadcast partner out to, uh, to a meal on a road trip. The problem is it was always Cracker Barrel. Like, there was no deviation. <laughs> so it made me irrationally hate Cracker Barrel for no other reason other than I just had way too much of it. And I feel the same way about Buffalo Wild Wings because I used to do uh, a coach's show when I was uh, doing Missouri women's basketball. I did the coach's show, and it was always at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I had Buffalo Wild Wings from November to April every Monday night for a period of like two and a half, three years. And I can't tell you if I've ever if I've been to one since. Can I can I give you my hot Cracker Barrel take, which is that I don't think it's that good in general. Um, Thank I you. Think it's just, it's just Thank very you. it's just very average food, and I think that people who go to eat there are kind of they're entranced by the ambiance of the place. You know, oh, it's got this. It's and they do a very very good job of that. It's a big part of their marketing. It's like, oh, it's this old Southern cafe, but the food is just whatever. You can get do. that anywhere. I will say I think the biscuits are really good. The biscuits good. are good. But I'm, I'm a I'm a dump the, the dumplings are very good. The chicken see, and dumplings. No, I I can't I can't go that far. I I'm well, I'm not a very big dumplings person in the first place, but also just the fact of beyond <laughs> beyond the So you're you're already skewed. Yeah, but beyond the biscuits, I feel like I can cook everything there at my own house yeah. mm-hmm. and it'd be just fine. I don't know. My I, I will kind of rat out. My wife is the one who really pushes for Cracker Barrel, and I usually, you know, I find something on the menu and I'm fine with it. But yeah, getting it to uh, getting it to go was just not good this week. All right, uh, what is the one friend you have that is a um, hilarious truther of a particular restaurant? Mine is I have one friend 
who is, and I don't know if it's because they used to pay him to endorse them or whatever, but he, uh, he is just the staunchest defender of Hooters as a culinary institution. Like, he loves Hooters for the food. Like, people who, people who go to Hooters go to Hooters, I think, for one reason, and I don't think we know it's because of the, the culinary delights that they bring to the table. But now, he, he staunchly will defend Hooters to the point where, again, I, I have apparently I have this problem with multiple relationships of mine, but whenever I see him, he always will come into town. He's like, oh, let's go to Hooters. I'm like... Can we go to Twin Peaks or something, or maybe something local, Fox Brothers, anything like? No, Hooters. It always, it's always Hooters. I've got a buddy who swears by Chili's, and I think he calls it like not, not <laughs> he calls it like Nacho Palace or something. What? Nacho Chili's? Palace. It's something like that. No, wow. it's something Palace. It's not bad. Chili's is all right for a chain restaurant. It tastes like chain food, but it's not terrible. It's you can eat it. Yeah, I think it's one of those. If you if you just want something a little different, just yeah. something to something to switch things, the switch up the monotony of things. You know, you, if, you might go if to you want, if you want to read through like a book of items that you could probably <laughs> eat. Chili's is a decent option. See, I don't know that I have anyone that like really ride or dies for a specific restaurant. I I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind. I my wife is a huge. She does ride for Jiminix. I don't even know. Oh, oh Jim and Nick's. Oh, yeah, okay. the yeah. barbecue restaurant. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. But you said it so quickly, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I was like, sounds like Turkish. Well, it's Jim, it's Jim, Jim and Nick's. It's fun. <laughs> in in my family, we actually call it James and Nicholas just for the fun of it. Oh, I do that for Jimmy. I do that for Jimmy John's. I call Jimmy John's James Jonathan. Yeah, just just something weird. <laughs> I feel like if you blindfolded me and took me into a Chili's and Applebee's. Or a Ruby Tuesday, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Well, yeah, like, because they're yeah, the same. <laughs> well, no, actually, if I took the Pepsi would, challenge with those three, I would lose. You would be able to taste the difference because Applebee's would always be the worst. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think I would rank those Chili's, Ruby Tuesday, Applebee's. Like it never fails. Applebee's will get you with a commercial. You'll see the commercial and you'll be like, "Man, that looks really good." That's a and especially. Steak. Yeah, especially the one in my hometown, which has, like, a bunch of memorabilia from my local high school on the walls. And Aww. so I like to go and see, and at one pandering point... Pandering is what that is, Caleb. That's pandering. Yeah, and so you, you, you get it hyped up in your head. We're like, oh, I'll go look at... I haven't seen that stuff from high school in a while. Let's go in there, and the commercial looked really good. And then every time the food comes out, it's just like, mm, nope, not the same. Now that we've alienated every potential restaurant sponsor yep, that we could absolutely. possibly have on uh, the Batter Up podcast, let's talk some baseball. Um, I know that I wasn't as uh, I wasn't as much expecting to be in my feelings as much as I was watching the '95 World Series this week, but I have to tell you, just watching every game every night and even seeing the Zoom call on Saturday, uh, two things really stood out to me. Number one is that you very rarely get a championship team that has as much of a collective impact like like from man 1 on the roster to man 25 like everybody from Glavin and Maddox down to you know Raphael Belliard and Mark Lemke those guys all had a contributing part not only throughout the season but throughout that postseason and the other part of it is that I can't remember a 
uh, a roster that won a championship that just had so many of those kind of quirky characters on the team, like a lot of the bullpen guys, like Klontz and McMichael, and and uh, like I said, I mentioned Lemke, and just a lot of uh, just weird, odd, colorful dudes. It's hilarious to me that Mark Lemke is batting second in that team. I went I went and looked up his <laughs> yes. stats afterwards. It's just like, you know, it's funny. It's just very demonstrative as to how the game of baseball has changed. But honestly, when I, it was funny because when I first started watching uh, the series that started, what? It was like the night that it was exactly a week ago from when we recorded uh, last week. Um the first time you tune in, it's like, oh, wow, this is different. You know, you see the old stadium. You can't see as many fans. They're not as close to the field, all this stuff. But then by the end of it, it's like I haven't seen modern baseball in so long. It, t- it seemed like totally normal by the time I was watching game six. Like I didn't really even um, – obviously, you see some throwbacks. You see Ted Turner or whatever, and you're reminded, oh, yeah, this is uh, this is 19- or 1995. But for the most part, I kind of like fell into this kind of trance of like, okay, this is this is baseball. I miss the days where you could look into the stands and see the face of the owner of your team. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't had that since Ted Turner and Jane Fonda. Like, wow. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. You know, just, oh, yeah. The hat with the hole cut out for her ponytail. Yeah. Just such a such a throwback. The other thing that I I feel like this was brought up last Monday. I was having this discussion on Twitter with some people of – Man, that was really during a time where everyone looked at least 40, except for maybe Chipper. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think yeah. Chipper and Manny Ramirez were the ones who you were like, okay, those are clearly like baby faces. But all of the guys who were in their later 20s, early 30s just looked 50 with their facial hair and just just the overall, just they looked aged, man. I don't know how to explain it. I Eddie- And I... Eddie Murray from the Indians has yes. he was like he was like thirty nine, yes. so he was from like a different era. But he was the one like totally carrying over the the late seventies, early eighties look into the <laughs> a different yeah. era of baseball. And then you just I don't know. I like to look at there's little things in the game that has changed so much. Whether from a viewing aspect where you don't constantly have a score bug up with the pitch count with who's at bat and who's pitching, all of these things that I've relied on so I can look at other things. I'm like, no, 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 I gotta, I have to focus so I know what's the score right now, what's the pitch count, who is at the plate, you know, all of these little things yep. that we kind of take for granted at this point. Uh, also, little things like guys at this point still used to wear their baseball cap underneath their batting helmet. Love it. Like you gritty, did in T-ball. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I remember. Gotta make sure that thing's not popping off when you're sliding into third base. Exactly. You know, no one's no one's uh, looking over at the first base coach to hand them their, their sliding gloves or, or anything else extra, you know, knee pads or whatever. Uh, that are shin guards. No none thumb of rings. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thumb rings. None of that stuff was going on. Uh, also, Marquise Grissom has the one batting glove. Just yeah. Like the... <laughs> Just all of these little things. I also, I want to raise the question. I want somebody to answer this for me, honestly, because I'm just too lazy to look it up for myself. At what point did Chipper Jones go from wearing stirrups to to having the long baseball pant. That was back in a time where he still wore 
wore his high stirrups. The high, the high, well, the high hose. That was yeah. like a big marketing thing for him. I remember it was like this is the kid. I remember he there was a candy bar that came out that was like a chipper. It was like it called a chipper bar, and it was like a terrible candy bar, <laughs> but it like had his One, face on it. And he was very he was very much marketed as like this kind of, you know. I know one of the gloves I had as a kid was a, a Chipper Jones model glove. Yeah, yeah. He was like this, like, you know, young maverick um, kind of bringing back an old sensibility of baseball, like the natural kind of thing. Um, he was, he it was, was a natural foil to Griffey, I think, for the National League, too. Yeah. Griffey kind of had that in the American League. Yeah, and it was really funny. I did not realize this. Obviously, when I was a kid, I had no idea these little these little things. But they were all giving him crap in that Zoom call for him having the busted lip early in the yeah. series because a ball had ricocheted off a wall and hit him right in the mouth. And so he kind of added to the aesthetic a bit of uh, him having like this like busted up lip um, that was not not very sightly, but I think added a little bit of uh, you know to that to that kind of sensibility that he had. I kind of touched on this the first time that I rewatched it at the beginning of the pandemic, but how much differently would a situation like David Justice between, you know, <laughs> the game in Atlanta where he called out the fans and then he owns it, hits the home run to win it in the clincher, like, like how much differently would that have been treated nowadays? Because I think he would have been, they, they wouldn't have let him back in the city. No, I think. I don't know how much different that moment would have been other than the fact of like a social media that the fans maybe wouldn't have cheered for him when he went up to bat or maybe he would have gotten booed even when he went up to bat. Um, I don't know how much different that scenario would have been other than maybe he would have been doing more interviews before, you know, but I mean... But even that, I mean, like, think about the 24-hour nature of sports. Like, you would have probably had, you know, first take would have led with it, and you would have had all these other people talking about, like, it, it would have... It definitely it would have been, been... so detrimental to him, at least from a, an outward standpoint, that you wonder even if, if Bobby Cox would have been pressured to not even play him. No, I don't think it would have ever gone that far. It was, I mean, it would definitely would have been more overblown than it was in the moment. But if you remember, I'm trying, I'm trying to specifically remember what Bob Costas said in that game six when he hit the home run. Like the first thing that Bob Costas do, did was refer to mm -hmm. essentially, I guess, all is well with the fans in Atlanta now after yeah. what after what Justice said. I mean, you talk about uh, it's like some booze potentially coming out. Uh, the way I recall it, because I was very young at that time, but I recall him like he was kind of like not hated, but like he was kind of like a he. It, it brought about kind of like a villainous aspect to him uh, among Atlanta fans. And of course, since he hit that home run, people think of him totally differently. But if he didn't hit that home run, and especially if the Braves had gone on to lose that World Series, I think that he would still be like very much an enemy of the state to an extent. I think that that obviously healed a lot of wounds, him doing what he did. But um, I th I kept on thinking about that, though, watching the series. Every time there was a missed call, you know, or someone did yeah. something really stupid, it's like, oh, my gosh, this would be like the end of this guy's career if, uh, if he had done that in this modern age where people would just be going off about this kind of stuff. The, and and well, speaking and of bad calls, the umpiring was so bad oh, was in that series, bad. especially <laughs> the balls and strikes, just just awful. Joe Brinkman's strike zone in game six, 
it, basically, if the ball landed in Fulton County, it was a strike. <laughs> and how, like, I loved his uh, his very nonchalant strikes. Like, he would just barely move and just call, call balls and strikes. And, and uh, the, the guys, the players in the Zoom, I think it was Chipper that was going off on about this in the Zoom call, was like, how old were these umpires? Like, they're so <laughs> oh, yeah. old. It was like a geriatric well, the big, the big, the, the big catalyst move in Game Six was was Mike Hargrove bringing in Jim Poole just to, to face the left-handed portion of the lineup, and of course, Justice as left as a left-hander hits the home run to uh, provide the only one of the ball game. The, the line from Costas that stood out to me was Justice turned Hargrove's logic to lament, <laughs> which wow. is such a which is such a Costas line. Yeah, like that's such a Bob Costas thing to say. Like, come on, Bob. You know, this and this might be hot takey, but I think there are there are rare times when I watch older games and think, man, we really have a better broad- broadcasting crew now than we did then. But I, I'm one that kind of believes that from that specific series. Like, I obviously would have loved having Atlanta's broadcasters to be able to listen to when I was watching these games, but. And maybe I'm just kind of uh, partial to to Smoltz being on the broadcast now, but I I like now more than I did with with Costas on the call, just because uh, he tends to do a little bit of the uh, oh what's his name that that has been doing Monday Night Football, Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough yeah. always likes to make the moment bigger than it is. <laughs> yeah. And so, does, I, so does the guy who does Monday Night Football now, or at least for the time being, Joe Tessitore. Yeah. Um, that's who I was thinking of, Joe Tessitore, not Sean McDonough. But Joe Tessitore always likes to make the moment bigger than it is. And I, f- I feel like Costas does that a lot, which is usually fine with, like, the Olympics, because everything is big and we're all – got this USA USA but when it comes to you know I don't know sports like major league baseball he he tended to in my opinion kind of get in the way Joe Tessitore could make a three yard run in the second quarter in week 10 yep. make it feel like that it's going to be the end of the world as we know it if he doesn't get a first down here but thankfully he does TV so you can tell the difference versus doing radio where Sometimes you can't tell the and you're like, oh, 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 big moment. No, not really. Just, just a three yard run. One more, Euchre. one more thing I did like. Oh, sorry, go ahead about Euchre. Yeah, you, Euchre on that broadcast was awesome though. Euchre yeah. Was oh, great. he was he was great. Loved him. Loved hearing his voice just in general. He's just obviously one of the best of all time. I did like. Um, this isn't Braves related, but it is related to the series. I loved Kenny Lofton's hat flying off every time he took a step in the outfield yes. to like field a fly ball. <laughs> Very Willie Mays Hayes. Like yes. he was like the he was like the the archetype of that. And now nowadays it's like Ronald Acuna. His helmet flies off every time he's running around the bases and he takes a step. But I just thought it was funny to see Kenny Lofton's actual hat flying off all the time. That was uh, a and lot he of fun was, to watch. And, he he could freaking fly, man. It is crazy to see him, like, if he hits a ground ball, he might be just safe on, like, a routine ground ball. And it was totally true, where he was just, like, stealing second base, stealing third base. It was just insane. Absolutely. And you never see yeah, that, that was, anymore. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, as we transition to nowadays, right when we were recording a week ago was when Jeff Passan brought out his 20 questions for the 2020 MLB season, and the the gist of the article 
makes it sound like that by hook or by crook, there will be a baseball season in some way. It seems more and more likely, and again, this is kind of going off the context clues that Major League Baseball is putting out and also some of the other leagues are pointing out, is that it seems that we have moved away from the biodome type scenario and tried to figure out, okay, how can we get baseball to take place in the cities of origin for these teams and maybe ramp up to having fans by the end of the year, but at least starting without fans. We haven't had a concrete answer yet, guys, but as we continue to go throughout with certain states opening up more and and uh, we talked earlier before the show about how uh, it seemed like everybody and their brother was at Piedmont Park or or everywhere else over the weekend but it, it does seem like there's some more optimism when it comes to playing some of these games in the cities of origin at some point soon yeah I think that I to me this is what made me so optimistic about this report was that the games be played in teams home stadiums it just seems to me like there are less logistical hurdles that you would have to overcome with that scenario than trying to do the whole biodome thing and the biodome thing you're not going to get as much buy-in from the players themselves to be to acquiesce to do that kind of thing than you would playing in the home stadium so it gave me a lot of a lot of optimism and i think that for that reason i think we're going to start seeing this idea evolve and i think that we will you know get baseball that's the thing that i took away the most from uh passan's article was that um everybody seemed very confident the the sources that he had talked to the executives in baseball that that we were going to get the sport back and i don't think we will get fans like we will not get fans until there's a vaccine um but i think we'll get baseball but it but it begs the question of like you know I saw espn today put out a study saying that fans obviously favor a return of sports than having to just wait and wait out until they can go into the stadiums. But the players aren't as as favorable of that, but we'll see. I mean, there's not much of choice in this situation anymore. I think the ways that the kind of combining what Jeff put out with ESPN and what Bob Nightingale put out uh, earlier this week, as far as teams playing in their own stadiums, it's because to my understanding, most teams, if not all, have the facilities to house their players at the stadium so they wouldn't actually have to go anywhere. Uh, You know, then you start getting into other paid employees that will have to be around. Where will they stay? And how will, you know, they be kept from contaminating everything, I I think is, you know, those, those are larger questions that we still haven't gotten answered that even when we when we get these reports that come out that, that people are confident that we're going to get the game back and it's most likely going to be without fans, it is because there's there's money involved. Like there's obviously a reason why they want the sport to come back because every day that they're not playing is another day that they're losing money. And so sure, will they figure out you know how to how to do this hopefully hopefully they'll model it after what korea is doing i i wasn't very familiar with how korea was able to start back playing baseball until i looked into it uh this past week and saw you know there's a lot of precautions that they're going about they actually figured out how to test for coronavirus in seven minutes with these little phone booths Mm -hmm. that you can walk into you know they've got people 
um, people quarantining for for two weeks, but actually the the government is providing the resources for people to do that. My friend Gawan just left from the states uh, two weeks ago, and she went over back home to to South Korea. And she had a care package when she got home, and she couldn't leave for two weeks without being reprimanded. But she had the resources to stay there. Um, you know, K- Korean baseball is also going about making everyone who's not in a baseball uniform wear face mask and gloves. They're doing twice daily temperature checks. Uh, they actually banned spitting, where in the game of baseball now you can't spit. Because they're afraid of of what that's you know it's the spittle what sure what it will exactly what's going to get you infected yeah will will share to other people so I think you that's a hard habit to break oh I'm 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 <laughs> sure it is just because I mean it's it's dirt you look out there it's dirt yeah. you're outside what do you feel if you're on a baseball field if you don't have seeds in or other guys you know chewing tobacco or whatever you still you just feel the need to uh, so you don't. So you don't outside. need to have chaw to, to have the desire to want to spit on the field. Yeah, because you're you're just you're outside. You know, you're you're one with nature in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of times you spit, it's... but shutting. You know, but trying to eliminate that or even punish it if it does happen can maybe help prevent a lot of the a, a lot of the big concerns that we that we have. Something that you hit on and something that we've been touting on this podcast for weeks now that's going to be imperative for the return is the testing. And that's one area where South Korea has just been way in front of not just the United States, but the rest of the world in terms of getting these tests, being able to do them in an orderly fashion so that they can do them in the most efficient way possible. And like you said, they also have the government buy-in, you know, and the government assistance that's helping them pull this off and I think that both of those things are going to be important for Major League Baseball the the testing is going to be interesting because because of the lack of testing that the country has right now considering how big the population is um, it, it's going there's going to be some PR blowback if they do come back and they're using some disproportionate amount of tests as compared to what is available oh. to the rest of the population so there will need to be some kind of massaging that happens between the government helping out Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball also providing other, you know, doing some other outreach to enable more tests to be distributed throughout the population. It will be interesting to kind of just see how that dynamic evolves. The cynic in me, guys, uh, also pivots toward the thought of, okay, you know, because we had the uh, the report from Bob Nightingale that said, you know, the umpires are going to take a 30% cut. Uh, the players have already taken some cuts, and there's a report that they – uh, are probably going to have to take more, especially if they're going to have games without fans. My whole thing is I'm wondering if we get to a point where it's not a question about safety, it's a question about a labor impasse if, say, the owners try to take away an amount that the players feel is, is too much or disproportionate to what they feel like they deserve to get by being back on the field. There are going to be lots of these kinds of issues that have to be worked out and massaged and negotiated. We've been saying it's like, you know, for this whole year, you have to basically rewrite a CBA just for this year or maybe even this year and for next year because of the way that things are going to be impacted. 
But yeah, there's going to be lots of these issues that have to get worked through. And that is the one thing for me when it comes to the optimism of baseball coming back. That's the one thing where I feel like we do need to see more progress is like how we need to see more concrete agreements um, between exactly. all these various parties. Because there's so many. When you start, when you just start breaking it down, it's like there's there's all these like secondary and tertiary people that are being affected that will need to be compensated or thought about in some way or another when it comes to baseball returning. So there are so many layers to this. I feel like we need to start making progress on those layers now, you know, so that we can implement once, once we're in a, in a place with testing and society where it can safely be brought back, that it can be brought back as quickly as possible on the timescale that they want it to. Well, and Joe, something that I think you've mentioned before on this, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with the point you're making is we also need to hear from the players whether they're comfortable playing. Because I think that's one thing that's kind of been just glossed over is the fact that, well, once we figure this out, then the players, they'll just hurry on back and they'll get right back to playing. And it's like, no, 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 no. They have to have some insurance of their health. And if we start getting into money and and players aren't going to be making what they were expecting to, does... You know, do they start having conversations with their agents of whether it's financially worth it for them to play? Yeah. I mean, well, you're we, seeing this. You're we're, seeing we're, the same thing going on now with with businesses. That's though. exactly you're what I was see, gonna say. Yeah. yeah. See, seeing the same thing going on with businesses, like businesses are like, you know what? It might like they're taking that risk, saying, you know what? I can either make zero dollars by staying closed or I can make a little bit more it might not be as much as it would have been if I had you know a full capacity restaurant or, or a limited capacities it's still more than zero and I think at that point you have a situation where players are going to be like look you know it might not be safe but I got to put food on the table and, and and where it really gets interesting when it comes to baseball is that unlike um, an, uh, a quote-unquote essential worker at a grocery store or a meatpacking plant or anything like this, you know, there is a lot of variation within just the play, the group of players themselves as to what their incentives are. A player who's made $10 million already in his, in his career might be like, eh, you know what? I'll just, I'd be willing to just sit this out for a year or two until it's perfectly safe for us to return or whatever. Where as where, you know, someone who's still under team control, who's been making $130,000 a year might be like, Hey, let's play some baseball. Yeah, I'm surprised I need to get some money. I'm surprised we haven't seen an athlete of some prominence say, I'm not going to play if we come back. I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet. I, I think it's coming. Like I, I think that because there's no incentive for those players to say that now at this point, but I do true. think that once plans start to solidify, then I think – and I've, I've said this for a couple weeks now. Like I could totally foresee a season that happens where you just have a lot of stars sitting it out. Yeah, and then you reach the point of, you know, are we going to have a replacement season kind of thing going on? Is that is that worth watching? Do people want that? I think ESPN will be trying to figure that out through them broadcasting the Korean baseball that, that they're going to start with and see, you know, even with these games coming on and the wee hours of the night, are people interested in, in watching baseball that they might not have a personal uh, vetted interest in that they have to kind of discover something uh, of just picking a team and and following you know is there that much love of the game or is it more of 
the storylines and the the hometown team kind of thing that really draws fans mm-hmm. in. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, this was something that was brought in, and I'm glad you put this in our, our show notes, Joe, about uh, the support from the AP. Uh, players on the, on the top end, like Garrett Cole and Mike Trout, they would lose around 222 grand per game, uh, basically the salary per game that the players lose, and that every game that's added to the schedule is around $24 million of, uh, of money when it comes to a salary expense for the collection of MLB teams that they'd have to pay out. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty it, – it's, it's a lot of money, and it makes you realize how much money is on the line for just the whole the – whole ecosystem in general right from players to advertisers to the league itself i mean i think there are going to be a lot of money losers in this in this scenario for major league baseball um because the the revenues are not going to make up for all the expenses that they would have to pull this off but i do think in the long run it would benefit them um because they need to keep interest up and i do think speaking of interest and what we were talking about with these players potentially sitting out i fully believe that fans would still be totally in on this i still think it would be a huge tv deal i don't think this situation will be driven by star players i think people will just want to see sports and identify with the communities and the clubs that they have always attached themselves to espn did that story uh the study or whatever i should say it said 65 percent were in favor of sports returning even if the fans can't be in the stands that approval number grew to 76 when they were asked if they support the return without fans, if players were kept in hotels and their contact with others was closely monitored, uh, they plan to watch as much as they can. And again, I, I think the the fans part, while I think we all kind of want fans and we want that environment, I know Joe Buck has kind of been a, a, a real staunch critic of that, saying that there'd be no juice in the ballpark and it'd be hard to call a game. Look, I, I think you could do any number of things. You could pump in crowd noise. You could You could do something else that tries to mimic the the noise from a post-production standpoint but as far as i'm concerned whether there's fans or not i think like like you said joe we just we just want to see something yeah i mean new joe buck is right it would be harder it would be harder to generate that but you know what that's the situation we're in right now you know so um it's like it's it reminds me of the phrase i always love coming back to which is like perfect is the enemy of good and it's like you can have a good product that's not perfect or you can wait for something that is, you know, perfect with fans in the stands and all that. It just depends on kind of, you know, pick your poison, I guess, essentially. Because it's neither neither situation is great. And we've said this a lot when it comes to negotiations as well. Is it's like, there isn't some magic solution to all this. Like, you just have to ch- kind of choose what you're willing to trade off. I'm, w- I'm with you, Will, that I think... As far as you know, pumping in crowd noise, I obviously whoever is the the home stadium would get control of that to to be able to pick the moments. I guess when you know when you have crowd noise, when things get heightened. I also find it interesting. I saw something this past week from the perspective of the home viewing audience that Sky Sports, who broadcast the Premier League over across the pond. They're looking into having CGI fans in the stands. Like, they're going to essentially go the FIFA route of when you're viewing it at home, it feels like there are people in the stands. That would be a little too trippy for me. That'd be a little too trippy for me. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, feel, like, I feel like if you were to, to ask, you know, my dad or, or 
some others that maybe don't watch it so closely. I, I don't know. I, I have the thought in the back of my head of, of playing video games around my dad and him not realizing that it was a video game and him thinking it was a live event. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we've kind of we've come a far way with graphics that mm-hmm. that maybe if you don't zoom in closely on people or maybe use stock footage of of fans from previous events and cut to you know cut to your Braves fans that are excited at at SunTrust Park. Or you can Park. do what they were doing with the uh, draft and have people connect in via via Zoom or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a, a lot more likely to to you know have issues. Although if you did it maybe on a, a small scale, you picked like like the draft did where they filled the screen with with probably what twelve people. Yeah. I was thinking about this uh, this exact situation. I was like, oh, well, what if they put, like, on the Jumbotron, they could have, like, a bunch of uh, fans at a bar going crazy or whatever. It's like, oh, wait, yeah, there's not going to be nope. that. Either. Can't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, guys... It would be fun to see, like, a, a Packers fan, like, Lambo leap into just, like, an empty <laughs> an, uh, an empty set of players. But there are empty uh, bleachers, but then um, over the TV, it's like there's fans there. <laughs> Will you guys be watching ESPN's coverage of the Korean Baseball uh, League? I'll probably record some of the games and check them out, and we'll see if it if it you know tickles my fancy, so to speak. I've got a Samsung TV, so I'm going to be a fan of the uh, Samsung Lions. Look at you. See, I think that's the thing. I've I've got to do some research on these teams and find some vested interest, and then then I can start following. Because I don't know that I could watch just any old game, but if I find maybe there's a player on a team who yeah. you know just some kind of of connection there if i find that like you have with your samsung tv <laughs> uh that then maybe i can start cheering for a team i i will be working uh some overnight shifts here relatively soon so i'll be awake while they're on live that's nice yeah. which, which so will make it a, make it a little bit easier i because i i don't see myself i am one of those people who i cannot record live sporting events if I'm going to watch them back like it's the first time I've ever watched them. Like, I I will go back and record games if I want to go look for specific things mm-hmm. amongst the game once I already know the result. But I am not one of those people who can just record a live sporting event and say, oh, let me keep away from the score or what happens. I'm just going to watch it later. I, I can't do it. Oh, I totally do that. So, I, tell, I text all my friends. I say, I'm going on Radio Silence. Nobody talk to me. So the the teams again, and and the thing about these teams is that instead of having city names, they have sponsor names, which is again part of the part of the whole uh, deal over there uh, in Asia. It's the Dusan Bears, the Hanhua Eagles, the Kia Tigers. I think we have to all be Kia because Kia is one of our big sponsors over at the radio. Oh station, yeah, you know? there, there we go. Kiwoom they Heroes. They have not have they do not have Honda. Kiwum Heroes, KT Wiz, the LG Twins. So if you have an LG TV, life's good. <laughs> uh, the Latte Giants, L O T T E. Uh, the NC Dinos, who are playing tonight, by the way. The Samsung Lions and the SK Wyverns. I'm all in for they the have Kia Tigers. Dinos. Yes. Huh. <laughs> Kia Tigers might be uh, might be tugging at me a little bit. We'll see. Uh, Again, the one it- thing. Maybe maybe I record it, I start watching these, and I don't like it at all. We'll see. Originally, I was going to base this off of the team that has the most uh, expat U.S. players on it that I recognize. Right, right. The, the only one of the people who are basically MLB 
I don't want to say alumni, but MLB players who are now playing in Korea. Dan Straley is the only one that I could think that that, that I, of the of the list of players. <laughs> yeah. Dan Straley. Now Dan Straley is a is, is relatively. Come on. Dan Straley is he, he's he's playing for the Latte Giants. He was a 24th round pick of the 09 MLB draft. He's pitched for Oakland, Chicago. Uh, Houston, Cincinnati, and the Marlins as recently as uh, 2018, and also pitched for the Orioles in 2019. So he's he's a, a 44 and 40 all all time record. <laughs> Whew. He's got a career ERA of 4.5, yeah. 4.56. Just lighten it up. <laughs> Back of the well, rotation. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Maybe it'll be interesting to see if he does much better or much worse than uh, his MLB numbers. Compare him. His fastball tops out at around uh, 95. So there you go. I will I will do some research this week, pick a team, and I will come back to you guys next week and let you know who I am ride or die for. Uh, Cause you know then I gotta start I gotta order the merch. I need a jersey. You know just really get into it. Yeah. A hat. Well, speaking yeah. of that 95 mile an hour fastball, it reminds me of one more thing about that 95 World Series was like Mark Woolers comes in, throws 95, and people are like, oh, you can't catch up to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one other thing, and again, I'm, I'm not going to try to say this to, to just bash on, and be somewhat, you know, jingoistic here, but I'm glad that the NFL got rid of the international games for this upcoming year, and Major League Baseball did the same thing uh, earlier this year as well. Can we like, can we junk the international games when it comes to? these professional sports leagues like no. I'm okay I'm okay if Major League Baseball wants to play a game in Mexico because it's the same time zone I'm okay if they want to play one in Japan but going to freaking London like miss me on that like I'm I'm sorry no they'll they'll never completely I don't think we'll ever get a season like this where we will won't play any international games uh just because they're growing the brand. It's just like yeah, the ship has sailed. Yeah, just like the NBA is trying to do, you know, in China and in Africa, uh, team, you know, leagues have figured out, hey, there are more fans and there are more people who are willing to spend their money than just those in the United States, and so they want to to expand the league. I mean, look, look, we were we were as close as having discussions of whether the Jaguars were going to go over and you know become the london jaguars essentially just not you know this this past summer i feel or you know like it wasn't that long ago this off season not summer i, I don't even know what what time what time of, you know what time of season circle, is it caleb time is a flat <laughs> it's circle. just i don't know anymore but yeah it just the, those discussions were happening not that long ago so if anything this will be the rare time where we don't see international games um, because they want to expand eyeballs. I want to. I have no problem growing the brand with where baseball already is. Like baseball has lasted 117 years in America and other places, and you know what? It didn't need. It didn't need England. Like I'm sorry. I I and miss me with the whole. Oh well, uh, here's a bloke. Here's a here's a bowler. Here's a bloke who's gonna bowl a pitch without uh, bouncing it. It's gonna do no, it without see, bouncing it. I'm. F- I, There's no I, wickets. Honestly, I have no issue with them playing other places as long as they can do it with, you know, regulation size fields. Because that that was the problem with what the Yankees and the Red Sox went over, and they really had to cut corners in order to just have the they the played field. Played in a bandbox, right? 
yeah, it, it was. They had to make all these modifications, and uh, I think it, it the field wasn't even you know 400 yards deep or whatever. I I, just, I remember there being a bunch of issues. I know I have no problem when it comes to the NFL playing over and in, in England. Uh, you know, like okay, the game's at 9 a.m. instead of 1 p.m. That's that's not the big deal. I mainly no. wonder about for the players because the players constantly complain that it is it is grueling on their bodies to have to go through that experience. And I think it robs a, robs a fan base, especially in football, because you only get eight home games. You are made yeah. to you're made to pay for two preseason games anyway, which are a joke. So I mean. My whole th- deal with that is is I feel like you're robbing the fans of a home team. Like the Falcons are gonna have to give up a home game this year. That's where I'm at. That's where that's where I feel really bad is for the the season ticket holders who even if they you know even if you give them their money back, it's like well we we wanted to see you know one more game. We, I don't uh, care if it, it was it I'll, was worth the money. But I'll I'll leave that griping to Mike Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I do it's think funny. it's interesting that like the Premier League has floated the idea of playing. Premier League, like a Premier League fixture in America, and that quickly got snuffed out because yeah. fans no were like, no, no only freaking way. Yeah, no yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I want us, they're not going to take their main games. They, they come over here and they play the summer uh, tours that they do, like the International Champions Cup. But again, we know what that is supposed to be. Like, if they wanted to play you know, an off-season tournament or do something, you know, in Europe or whatever or play the World Baseball Classic in London, you know, that's fine. But mm-hmm. but taking regular season baseball, especially when it comes to a division rivalry, like last year they had the Yankees and Red Sox, and I think this year yeah. was going to be uh, the Nationals and somebody else or whatever. Or, I, 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 don't, I don't like that. I'm, I'm with here. you, Will. I'm, I'm with you, but... I've just kind of, I'm now just of the mind that like the horse is out of the barn and at this point we're not getting it back. I'm sorry, I just, I get irrational. There are not very many things that make me irrationally mad when it comes to sports arguments, but like that, that's one of them. Just have that. It's just like, it's like a pimple on on, on your forehead <laughs> and that you just, you don't want to pop it. And then once you pop it, all the crap comes out and it's just like, you're so viscerally angry. Like that's what it is. <laughs> and and now we've officially gotten weird. Thank you, Will. Just like that. <laughs> I think that means we have to stop. Hope you uh, enjoyed the podcast. We did 52 minutes, and a lot of it was rather nonsense. But Flew you know by. what? Yeah, I think it was fantastic for me as far as I'm concerned. Uh, please sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Joe at JAPatrick200. You can follow Caleb Johnson uh, at ATLJohnson18. Yours truly, Willie P, at Willie P Style. And the radio station at 929 The Game. Send us your questions about stuff uh, you guys have for us and also particular topics you want us to touch on for the Batter Up podcast. And be sure to download the Radio.com app if you haven't already. And subscribe to the Batter Up podcast as you will also. For Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick, I'm Willie P. Will Pelagic. So long from Batter Up, a 92.9 The Game and Radio.com exclusive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 